Discord. All right, welcome back to Empowerment with Elizabeth. Um, today I have a very special guest. She is my sweet friend, Madison Matlock, who was Miss DeWitt County with the Miss Texas organization this year. And that's how we met. And she is gonna talk a little bit about um, her CSI pageant platform, whatever you wanna call it. Um, so Madison, if you wanna kind of introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, a little bio. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you gave a really good introduction already, um, and really honored to be here. Uh, you know, I'm super excited you asked me, and I reached out, but my name is Madison Matlock. Um, I was Miss DeWitt County and competed at Miss Texas with Elizabeth this year, and, it, you know, just a joy to get to know her and meet so many wonderful girls, and that's exactly why I do it. But in my full-time job, uh, my everyday big girl job, I'm the business development manager for Very. Um, we provide flexible workspace solutions. I try to sh shy away from being like, we're a furniture company because that's just not, that's not the vibe. Um, but I graduated from Texas A&M in 2021 with a degree in agricultural leadership. Um, and I'm now um, pursuing my MBA at Southern Methodist University here in Dallas. Um, and my platform, my passion project, which is, you know, everything and more to me is called Perfectly Preventable Drunk Driving Prevention. So I hope that's a good, that's something good to work off of. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Perfectly Preventable. That's so, that's so awesome. Um, so talk a little bit about Perfectly Preventable and what got you interested in your CSI? Mm, well, it wasn't something I was really interested in until I lost a friend and sorority sister to a drunk driver. Um, I lost my friend Carly Beatty in 2019 to an underage drunk driver. And it kind of completely changed my outlook, not just on life, but on drunk driving as a whole. I'm from a really small town, had never lost a peer before, and didn't realize this was something that was seriously still a problem in our communities. I mean, with Uber and Lyft, we feel like this is an issue that's solved, but it's really not. And, um, you know, without that instance, you know, without losing Carly, I don't think that I would be doing this, but you know, it, it's my passion. It's something that I love to speak on and I love to help victims and their families. I love to speak to vendors because I know that, um, you know, I know that the work that I'm doing is, is something that genuinely matters to ending this very, very preventable tragedy. Right. I love that. Um, talk a little bit about what what a day in your life of drunk driving awareness, advocacy, all the things. What does that look for look like for you on a daily, a weekly basis? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, every single day, I very much actively make a choice to not drink and drive. Number one, um, as well as share resources for victims, um, for offenders, and just for my community. I share a lot of bad social media, and through that, which is this is such a great thing for people to know when you're working with nonprofits and um when you know when you're looking at your Instagram and you're liking stuff like I just like everything but like mad for instance every time we share a post or like it they get a certain percentage so you know they get a donation through that I think that's you know for me I try to share that so other people see it and they share it and it really helps fundraise for mad's victim services programs, which I have been a part of, which are um, like victim impact panels and where we help victims through the court system, um, through receiving restitution. 
Um, so it all goes to a good cause. So I am sharing stuff all day, every day. And a lot of times I'm making content for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. I'm a member of Generation Zero, which is a group of Gen Z individuals who are all working toward ending drunk driving in their communities. So I make content for them. I'm making content with the national president at national headquarters in just a few weeks. We're doing that together. Um, So that's kind of, that's kind of what like my day to day looks like. But but, I mean, really the most, the thing I do every single day is I, I talk about it. I talk about what it's like losing my friend. I talk about the drunk drivers who I've looked in the eyes and told them that I forgive them and that, you know, and tell Carly's story. I think by talking about it, that is like the biggest form of advocacy you can do for whatever you're passionate about it. I mean, don't let it be something you just do on the weekends or you might talk about it. Like let it be very much a part of your life. I think that's, that's just the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, that's super powerful. And I love how you talk about also like drunk driving um, offenders too, because I think that yeah. it's so important that they're not just like ostracized. Like obviously they made a, yeah. they made a bad choice, but um, exactly. you know, giving them resources and um, also giving them a voice because I'm sure so many mm-hmm. of them after the situation happens are like, I would love to talk to individuals about my personal story and the bad choice that I made and how it affected everybody else. And um, yeah, you know, they might be able to do a lot of good from that too. So that's awesome. I think that people don't realize like with Mad's mission and what I try to do in drunk driving prevention is it's not just heal victims and their families. It is also offenders because oftentimes, I mean, these people are, they're struggling in their lifetime and yes, they made a bad choice, but we want to rehabilitate. We want to offer them resources to make better decisions in their lives. Um, But we also want to be tougher on legislation and making sure that this is a crime that is uh, not committed again. Yeah. Um, and that they and that people understand what the repercussions of that is. I think there's a lot of gray area there, but at the core of it, as much as I love working with victims and providing them a voice, I also want to provide um, offenders with, you know, with the I guess forgiveness is the best word. Mm-hmm. But I want them to know that like their their choices, that this is something they can build upon and they can really you know set their life on a better track or they can let this be something they perpetuate for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I also was thinking about it and mad, which is mothers against drunk driving for those of you who don't know, um, is like perfect with your name, Madison, mad. I I know. And my family spells Matt. I mean, I've gone by Maddie for most of my life. My family doesn't, but now I go by Madison. And so I always think it's funny when like, I've been trying to do something with the mad and Maddie because my family spells it Uh M-A-D-D-I-E. Um, so maybe somehow in the future I'll work that in, but yes, it is absolutely perfect. And it ended up being, this is so funny. And I talk about it a lot with, because a lot of women have asked me, they go, how do I partner with a nonprofit? How do I create these relationships? And mine literally was, I sent a LinkedIn message to a like director of development. Um, her name is Katrina Clemens. And I just said, I don't know how to do this but I want to be with Mad. I'm competing for Miss Texas. I want to help further your mission. And it just came from a DM on LinkedIn. Um, (laughs) And I never would have been a part of it if I didn't just like ask for the cookie. And I always encourage women or just people in general when they have, when they want to grow that relationship, that it doesn't have to be super hard. It's just, you just have to ask for it and somebody will point you in the right direction. Sure. Yeah. I love that. But definitely something there with the Mad and the Madison. It was fate, obviously. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so talk about um, what, in your opinion, is the best way to decrease drunk driving accidents. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of a multitude of things. I think after doing actual work in, you know, working with Matt and working with an organization that's working to prevent drunk driving, there is no perfect algorithm, but I think there's things that we can do. And that's just, that's having conversations with our family and friends about drunk driving, um, you know, and, and calling it out when they are making them very unsmart decisions when they are putting not just their lives at risk, but other people's. Um, it is, it's just making it a part of daily conversations. Um, next is education. I think we've got to, we've got to have stronger education in our schools, not just surrounding drunk driving, but seriously binge drinking, alcohol abuse, underage drinking. I think that we've really focused our education on underage drinking, but not providing young people, especially before they go to college, the resources to see that alcohol abuse is very, very real on yeah. college campuses. And so I think having better conversa conversations in schools and prepping, you know, not just prepping them with the dangers of underage drinking, but as a whole. Um, and lastly is legislation. So this last year I worked um, and lobbied, I guess lobbied is not the best word, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? So I spoke um, in support. That's probably the best word. I spoke in support and testified on um, Lauren and CJ's law presented by Representative Leach um, out, you know, out here of North Texas and, and got to speak in in a Texas House Corrections Committee meeting and pretty much, you know, told my story and, and, and talked about why we need to have stronger legislation in place for those who have committed intoxication manslaughter. So Lauren and CJ's law um it would raise the minimum imprisonment term to five years for intoxication manslaughter. And um, I think that now. that is such a, I, I'm trying to think, I think it's two years right now, okay. but that's okay. the thing is, is I think with laws, especially surrounding drug driving, intoxication manslaughter, you know, DUI, DWI, there's a lot of gray area and there's, and I think through through this, I've gotten to see that like stronger legislation needs to be in place, but also stronger communication around it. I think when you see when I'm driving down I-35, you always see the signs. It's like Happy St. Patrick's Day. Don't drink and drive. Find that pot of gold. You know things like yeah. that. I think that is it is just as important to display the literal consequence of killing somebody because you decided to drink and drive. Um, and so I think there's just kind of components to it, but there is no perfect algorithm, but it really does take every single person, not just people who have been affected by it, but people who thankfully don't know that pain of losing somebody. It takes them rallying behind this message and being a very, very active part of ending drunk driving. And it can be one thing. It doesn't have to be, you have to lobby in the Texas house and do all these crazy things. It can literally just be like making sure that your friends, when you go out, do not drive. It is, you know, maybe you sign up to be the friend that DDs or you pay for the Uber and have people split it with you, whatever that looks like. Just being a very small part of that change is very, very impactful. I love that. Yeah. Lots of options, lots of options that I know avoid drunk driving. So that's, I, so at the, at the victim impact panels, this is so funny. I, there was one that kind of had a, a younger set in them. Uh huh. And they go, well, what do I do if I don't have an Uber or, you know, I can't pay for a lift? I just go, well, you had money to go out. You, had you money have money for a oh. lift. And, and I go, and I was like, y'all, there's so many resources. Like the dart train here in Dallas is a resource. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, my go-to response is if you can't call your family and you don't have a friend to rely on that would come pick you up, 
you need to choose your friends. You need to choose some different friends. Cause I would, if anybody in my friend group was like, Hey, I'm in a bad situation. Come get me. I would be there in a heartbeat. Yeah, so if you don't course. feel like you ever have that, you know, you gotta make some new friends. Well, and also so many schools, I know Ole Miss has a free bus that goes um, to and from the square, which is like our, like where all the bars are to our campus. Um, and it's free. And I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. a ton of colleges have that too. So that's also a great resource as well. Um, but A&M what if, does, A&M has that too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm sure there's, I'm sure that's not just an Ole Miss thing because it's a genius idea. It really is. Yes. Yeah. A&M has the carpool service and I am trying to get carpool and mad connected because I think there's a really good opportunity to work together. Oh, definitely. So yeah, find those student orgs too. I know ours is on the back of our A&M ID. There you go. There you go. I love that. Um, okay. So talk about what the most shocking thing that you've learned since getting involved with your CSI is. So it could be a statistic, a story. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just whatever it is. What is the most <laughs> shocking thing you've learned that you didn't know? Well, I have, I have all of those. I have the statistic. I have a story. I think I guess the biggest statistic that has stuck out for me is definitely either, you know, two out of three Americans will be impacted by drunk driving in their lifetime. I never thought I'd be a part of that number, but also this was done a a study in 2020, excuse me, 2013. I don't know what year it is anymore. I just kind of like after, after Miss Texas, it's like time is, time is not real. Um, (laughs) What what month is it? I just know it's August because I was posting Taylor Swift August on my story, but 2013, there was a study done. It was 27 million people had admitted to driving under the influence at least once. And at the time, that number was larger than the state of Texas population. Um, And I think as Texans, we definitely think that like we're the biggest and baddest and everything's bigger in Texas. But like this is something that's bigger than us. And that is something I've shared in my messaging is that um, even in Texas, where we feel like it's bigger here, there is something that is bigger than us. And it's people you know making that decision to drink and drive and this isn't one this is been once like admitted once um not people who've done it multiple times um, right. not people who you know who do it every friday night um but i think the biggest thing that shocked me the most from a story perspective and and with my own eyes was when i started speaking of the victim impact panels and i started looking around at people and realizing that these were very normal looking people i think in my brain especially with Carly's case, um, her, the drunk driver was 17, um, and had a incredible juvenile record and was somebody that not only was under the influence of alcohol, but also drugs and had a legal firearm in the car. So in my brain, I'm thinking all drunk drivers are big and bad and scary. I mean, I don't know how a 17 year old is big and bad, but that's scary. You know, they're all delinquents. They're all this. And I think I had that narrative in my head, but then I started actually working with offenders and I saw that these are people that look like my friends, my cousins, my grandparents, um, my neighbors, my coworkers, like these are very normal looking people, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they have lives, they have families, they have businesses. And that is on the line because yeah. they made a very, very dumb decision, a very bad mistake. And I think too, I always thought that, you know, through like Carly's case, he wasn't remorseful. He really didn't, he has never really, um, you know, admitted to it or apologized for that. But then I started being around these people and they were incredibly remorseful. They really saw how their decisions affected other people, their families, their lives. And I think it changed my heart a little bit and allowed me to forgive, allowed me to 
you know, to, to not just think about how it has affected me, but how this affects other people and really how I can be a part of rehabilitating, how I can share my message to inspire hope for people and let them know that this is, like I said, something that you can either build upon or something that you can let destroy you. But it completely changed my heart seeing, you know, people that were, they were coming into these victim impact panels in nice suits. They were coming from their big fancy jobs because this is mandated by the courts. But there are also people that are coming here, um, you know, they've, they've got families, they've got kids. Um, and I think it, it completely changed my heart about my issue. Yeah, that's crazy. And that number is wild, bigger than the state of Texas. It's insane. And I think Texas and California still are, you know, the, I think they have the highest fatalities per capita, but that's just because we're large states. But I think Texas really has a lot of work to do. Um, We're one of the few states that doesn't have a sobriety checkpoint law. We deemed it unconstitutional. And I think it's incredibly unfair because, you know, when I think of constitutional rights, it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. Those are God-given rights. Like that's from the Lord himself. And (laughs) A drunk driver can take away your life, liberty, and happiness in a moment's notice. Not you, you wouldn't even know it. And that's really where I struggle with our, with some of our, our legislative systems is that, you know, a drunk driver can completely rip away that right um, to your life. And there are, there's no protections in place. I think that we really need to change that as a state and and let that and set a precedent for other states that we take this very seriously and we're not going to be a state that is number one in fatalities to drunk driving yeah I didn't know that that sobriety checkpoint wasn't a thing in Texas I'm like I've been in one at Mississippi where they're like you know standing on the side of the mm-hmm. road stop and you pull up and they're like hey yeah you know like I've, I just assumed like everywhere had that and I guess I've and now I'm looking back and I'm like, okay, I guess I've never seen that in Texas. That's crazy. You know, they'll have higher visibility, like probably around New Year's and Christmas, you know, big holidays, Memorial Day. But, um, you know, the thing is, is this happens every single day. It's not just on holidays. This happens every single day. And, right. you know, even if it's not, if there's not a sobriety checkpoint law, there's definitely got to be better police measures and visibility. And I really think that at A&M, you know, we're, when I think of Carly's, Carly's crash. I always go back to the fact that it's the busiest intersection in College Station, and there's just there needs to be more police visibility there. Yeah, but that's just me. You know, that's just me. That is how I feel. But you know, I really just hope that my messaging and my story also changes that for people and opens their eyes to the fact that this is happening every single day, and it is an issue that can be solved, um, or at least we can work to solve. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, we are at our final question. So if you could give one piece of advice to someone wanting to get involved with drunk driving awareness and advocacy, what would it be? Find an org. I always recommend MAD because MAD is one of those organizations that, you know, when I was in my volunteer intake meeting, I literally just said, this is the things that I can do. How can I help you? And the victim impact panels was where they directed me. But there are people who, you know, if you have experience, you know, if you're a lawyer um, or you work at a law firm, you know, they might need help with somebody doing the paperwork in the court system, because that's the thing is so many people do not, you know, they, they want to prosecute, they want justice and they just don't know how to do it. Um, so being a resource there, um, if you have time, if you are a stay at home mom and you're like, I need to get out of the house, my kids need to do something. They, you know, we can sign you up for walk like mad events. Um, you can pass out flyers. You 
could be at community events. They'll really find a place for you to showcase your talents and further the message. And I really, I appreciated that from the organization. They weren't just like, hey, you know, you know, go do this. They were like, here is how we can further your gifts to further our message and to better our organization. And I, I will always recommend MAD. I think they're such a wonderful organization. I love um, their national president, Tess Rowland. I have her, She we text each other like regularly. like, And she has such great ideas for how to reach Generation Z, Gen Z, and how to form this message into something that younger generations can really, really take part in and take heart in. Um, I would say start there. And also, I mean, if you wanna get involved, be that person for other people, be that person who offers to get the Uber um, and maybe split it later. The person who offers to DD, the person who, you know, is taking their friend's keys away and saying like, I love you. You're not going to do this. Just stepping up every single day for yourself and for other people is just the best way you can advocate. Um, you know, I think that, you know, when you are an advocate for others, you can be an advocate for yourself. And when you protect your friends, you're protecting yourself. And uh, I just really hope that, you know, my message, um, my story, Carly's story will encourage people to, to be that person for somebody else, because I know Carly would, would totally have done that for me and my friends. She was somebody that stood up for the people she loved. And I think that the advocacy takes integrity. It takes awareness. Yeah. I love that. I love all of that. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. Well, thank Man, you know, <laughs> of course. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. No, I love, I just love to, I just love to talk, you know? <laughs> I know you do. That's why I was like, she'll be proud. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. It's a tragic flaw, but thank you so much, Elizabeth. Well, really appreciate well, it. Thank you so much, Madison. And I will see the rest of you on the next episode. Bye y'all.